Yeah, we're live. Or not live, but recording. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, dude, how, how are you doing? I'm really good. Uh, since you and I have last seen each other, uh, I bought my first home. Um, Congratulations. I, thank you. Uh, I, big deal. Life has been very fast-paced, and there's a lot of things that I'm very grateful that I was able to do. Like, buying a home was a, a goal that I accomplished two years before my expected timeline, so that was awesome. And then um, there's a lot of things that are still uh, in the waiting, but other than that, I can say life is good, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Oh, that's awesome. And and you're still, I mean, I, I won't talk about, like, you know, work and stuff like that. I, I tend to keep them separate on the podcast, but, it, like, is your work overall going okay? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we've, our company has continued to grow. It, since you and I last saw each other, I got a promotion within my role, so I went to the next track nice. of my role. Um, and so that's exciting. And even I, I would even see in the last six months, I've seen a shift in how my role can grow and my my focus and like how I'm at, how I'm growing myself. So um, it's all very very exciting. It's just it's happening faster than anticipated. Honestly, yeah. I know you said uh, um, just about your house and, and buying it that it was what'd you say two years over like what your expected time frame was. Two years sooner than my expected. Or sooner. Time. Yeah. So yes. when were you thinking it would be? I thought it was going to be by the time I turned 30, which was last year. And I did it at 28. Okay. Yeah. Did you so have I, any like reason for why 30 or just kind of like that's like a, a bar that you gave yourself? No, it wasn't. The, so the reason was because I aggressively paid off my, I was paying on my student loans, which is funny because now I'm realizing when you and I met in person for the first time. Yeah. At a house six months after nine months after that and i had like, <laughs> that was nowhere near on my horizon whatsoever in fact the conversations probably ha started happening two months after you and i met i'm okay. just thinking about it now <laughs> and so i how <clears throat> all that happened is um i have a beautiful family i'm born into and I, I love my biological family but i was also loved into an extended family um i know you know that you see a lot of my posts so yeah um, yeah for sure and so one of my sisters she i was visiting her um house further out i guess technically more in the country um when my after my dad had passed and so they were looking to move closer in and to the more the more developed area and so um there was this running joke why don't you build a house with us and i'm like yeah, that's not happening. I, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm not there yet. And then I started running the numbers like, oh, my God, I can actually do this. Like, what what is yeah. what is going on? Um, and so that it kind of all just happened. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, OK, I guess I'm doing this like this is for real. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm buying a house. And then the crazy thing is I bought a house and then four months later, the pandemic happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I luckily my brother and sister are my neighbor. So I wasn't completely by myself, obviously, the whole time, but uh, it was still an adjustment because that first like six months of it, you don't really know. Like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how often we'd be able to see people. Um, and me being a person who loves people and ultra connected, that was super freaking hard. Um, yeah. Luckily, I had family very close, but it even still within that um, something that was an amazing accomplishment could have very easily felt. I don't want to say like a prison because it wasn't, but it was like, oh, my God, I, I I'm at some point completely by myself and I'm kind of too social for that. <laughs> so, right. Uh, it was it was great, but it was it was a, it was an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I don't know the I mean, the pandemic's like a whole other subject and whatnot, but uh, 
yeah, I mean, obviously you made it through. So, yes. so, yes. so that's, that's good. But, uh, yeah, I know for, I, I would say you and I are both, uh, people friendly. Uh, we, we definitely are chatty Cathy's as they say. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, I think that was definitely a hard part, not being able to socialize like that for sure. And I think also, uh, when we went to the, the Vegas conference, they yeah. knew by putting the two of us together that like all those two are going to have a good conversation. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you you ready to talk Spider Man? Let's go for it. Okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do a little bit of an introduction on here because I I normally do it before if you've listened to my past episodes. So I'll I'll do a soft introduction here. Sure. Uh, so anybody that's listening right now, uh, appreciate you coming by, giving this a listen. I uh, got my friend Jonathan here, first time on the podcast, so I'm happy to have him here. He tells me that he's a Marvel cinephile. Or at least some, like, you're crazy about Marvel movies, right? Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> Where did that start from? Um, that probably started, ironically, we're talking about Spider-Man. That probably started with the very first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Um, yeah. Oh, I actually have a really interesting story that, that kind of okay. takes a thing full circle. So um, the first superhero film I saw was Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man movie. And I liked it. And I always loved, like... Um, I kind of grew up in a household where, like, for a certain age, you weren't allowed to. Like, my sister had a very, very active imagination. My parents were concerned. So, for a period <laughs> of time, they're like, uh, let's slowly introduce stuff to him before yeah. uh, he thinks he can jump off a building <clears throat> and whipsling. And uh, so, uh, I got, I got, a, I got an intro there. And then I, I loved X Men. And I always grew up loving Batman. So, like, I guess comic book, the comic book genre. Not comic books. I have to be honest. I have very, very limited reading there. Um, I've sure. read online, but like owning comic books, that was never a thing for me. But um, I've always had an interest in the way superhero movies and TV shows depict the, the powers. Because honestly, if you look at it, it's kind of like if you had the power to do some of these things because they have real life applications. Like I probably, I, you know, I could do a WandaVision hex if I got really upset, if it were possible. <laughs> right. um, so that's kind of what what started it for me, and so that it kind of just grew from there, you know, like more and more superhero stuff. I'll, I'll also say that like I'm a big fan of um, like even if something's not necessarily commercially successful, I'll probably still like it if I find something in it that I connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I continued to like superhero films, and then Iron Man one came out, and then it built to the first Avengers movie, and yeah. I was actually in school for film and TV. Um, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, I actually went to school for film and TV, and um, I had an internship at WIS, and um, I don't know if I should have said that on this podcast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, if, if something comes up, I can always edit it, edit it out and post, and then, you know, just clip it together. It's, it's sure. up to you. Let me know. Well, I, I, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I had an internship with a TV studio, and then um, I quickly discovered that the TV industry um, – you can be the most qualified person, but it's about who you know. I know that's a lot of job markets, but the TV and film industry is really, really like that. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I ended up taking a job in a credit union and then got in marketing because it was the most closely related to what I went to school for. But I, I got an associate in TV, went back to college and went to the University of New Orleans, got a bachelor's in film. And I actually did my senior film thesis on, and this is my claim to fame. If I dug up <laughs> a report somewhere, I could still find it. But I made a statement. In 2012, I think that's when the first Avengers movie came out. Yeah, I think so. The superhero genre would take over the film industry. And I had a TV, uh, I had a director, 
a professor who was in the director director's guild of america and i'll tell you this film and tv buffs uh there's a whole sect of study within in the curriculum that basically says the director it's called autism and the director is the end all be all it's a collaborative art like it, it can't be what it is without everyone's part in it and so to say that the director is what makes something <clears throat> successful to me is a little bit crazy but that's probably why i was ousted a little bit by my own industry <laughs> so i had a professor tell me like let me tell you right now let me stop you right now um you you if you honestly think that this is the direction cinema is going you are insane and this is just a passion project that will die <laughs> off she gave me a d on the final project on my final assignment my senior year and oh, wow. then um i still graduated so it's fine it doesn't matter but uh at at the end of the day i really want to go back and email her I was like hey so 2020 20, 22 films later where are we now what's the dominating uh genre yeah okay just curious <laughs> <clears throat> That's that's crazy. I, I mean, I I try to think though back to that time. I mean, you you know, you're talking about the first Spider-Man movie, X-Men. I mean, sure, like Superman had preceded that and Batman and all that. So there had been some films, but I try to think back to when Iron Man came out. I don't know if anyone could have predicted what would have happened. No, I, I don't think so. It 2008 is when it came <clears> out, <throat> and I think that when Iron Man came out at that point, you had Toby's Spider-Man movies and the X-Men films that had been relatively successful but honestly what was that dominating the industry at that time was star wars uh like yeah, the, yeah so nobody really expected our man to come out of the game honestly mostly people thought it was going to fail from what i understand oh i think so yeah and then besides it being commercially successful it has one of the highest rewatchabilities uh of the of of the franchise franchise and then that begat iron man 2 and then and Captain America won, and it kind of just like, oh, wait a minute, what if we, like, what if we build this? I know Kevin Feige, the the head honcho at Marvel Studios, has said when they first started, they didn't have a plan. It was honestly, we like these characters, let's do something with them, and then it kind of grew from there because of the love yeah. of the audience. And that was kind of what my what my my take was and my thesis was like, as as these movies continue to build. Um, Build upon what you've like always fantasized as a kid. Like you want to like see yourself with superpowers, but then the fact that it had kind of real world implications to it that made it a little bit more tangible. So it less it felt less campy and pie in the sky. Yeah, um, and it felt like oh <clears throat> yeah, if this was possible, if, if some rich billionaire built a suit, yeah, you could totally do that. <laughs> you could totally like so. Um, that's kind of where it went. And I, honestly, separate of like a joke, but like for me being someone who at maybe what 22 23 years old calling that thinking yeah this is totally going to be a thing and now more than 10 years later still being able to enjoy that it, yeah it's awesome <clears throat> to honestly see like it's one of my favorite things to talk about i'm a part of two youtube communities that talk about comic book movies that's what yeah. to this well what are they uh new rock stars and well primarily everything always um okay. michael roman is he's amazing he actually tries to connect with a lot of his um I don't want to say fans because that's not how he treats anyone, but yeah. he tries to connect with a lot of his followers, even at a mm -hmm. one more show as he could. And he does, he covers mostly Marvel stuff. New Rockstars covers more the umbrella of the film genre, but mm -hmm. I like watching the two of them and just interacting within the two communities and just sharing theories. Um, because it honestly, like, I will say this. I know a lot of people have this perspective, like going into Spider-Man No Way Home, I probably knew about 60% of the story. Yeah. But it didn't spoil it for me. It was actually awesome to come to see it come to life. Like, 
Uh, I know that's not everybody's take, but uh, it's it's just fun being a part of something where you like you can share your theories, and then people like share their theories. Like, oh, I never thought about that because I mean, honestly, it's all these movies are. Well, and I I definitely think for Spider Man No Way Home in particular, it was really like the definition of like an event movie. I mean, yes. it was it was a big big deal when it was happening. And I remember all the lead up to it was. I mean, pretty remarkable, and and even more so for the fact that I mean, first off, there's going to be spoilers in this episode. So, Toby, <laughs> Andrew, you know, yes. at the time, you know, the internet was going crazy trying to figure out if they were going to be in it, and I still think it's pretty remarkable that in today's age with technology, that I'm sure some people figured it out and like spoiled it, but the mass population that saw it didn't really know. And I'm like, that's right. that blows my mind. I can tell you for a fact, <clears throat> I had seen and known because of the communities that I'm in for probably a good three months that there was speculation. And I saw a tangible evidence that Toby and Andrew were in this movie. And I, when that trailer premiered that night that still didn't show anything, I was like, yeah. are, they, are they really in the movie? Or did I just like <laughs> concoct this in my head and convince myself <laughs> it was real? Even up until <clears throat> the scene before An- Andrew first walks in, I'm like, is he... Are they really in the movie? I, I can get the funniest story uh, to, to tell you how big of a nerd I am. When Andrew walked this, into the scene, I freaked out and grabbed my nephew. He was like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, my God. This is so well, I mean, it was huge. I mean, they had, I mean, I mean, Garfield, he hadn't been back there since Amazing Spider-Man 2. And, you know, Toby even longer before that. Um, and, and I can I can say it's one of the regrets I have watching the movie is I didn't see it in the theater. To tell you the truth, and I'm like, I'm, I'm so, I'm so bummed that I didn't do it. I should, I should have. I, I take it you saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater three times. <laughs> yeah. So, what was the audience reaction like when, when that moment happened around you? The okay, so I was sitting next to my older brother who is not as into superhero drama. So first of all, he was making fun of me most of the time for my reactions. <laughs> um, the audience reaction was, which if you've seen any of the YouTube reactions, that's my first theater experience was people standing up cheering. I actually had to see it a second time because a lot of the the moments where the like the the, the reveals were there people cheered so long that you really couldn't hear the dialogue after it's yeah. almost as if you'd wish it like they would have wrote a beat into the script where like everybody's like kind of take yeah. a second like <laughs> give the audience a moment to digest this um i remember when i i, I think i said out loud oh my god it's andrew and <laughs> the road two rows behind me was like wait is he right and then people stood up, cheered, shouted, and yeah. there was that segment of dialogue Andrew Garfield has, no one can hear in my theater. And then <laughs> it they, were, they did play it very well that there was a quite a gap before Toby walks into the scene. So then I was like, wait, is it just Andrew? Um, and so I think that, like I said that to say this, like even though I kind of knew stuff was coming, I still felt 100% fresh to everything that was uh, that was presented. Yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> sorry. What so? What did your what did your nephew say again? Like when you like grabbed him, he was just like, "Oh my god, man! Like, what are you doing?" He, goes, <laughs> no, he was like, "He goes, Uncle Johnny, calm down." I was like, <laughs> "He was he was also nerding out too." It's just yeah. it, there's a lot that happened in that scene leading up to their reveals, and I'm just like, oh, "I'm on an emotional case right now." Well, you know it's. What's interesting to me when I think about it, uh, I mean, one, I mean, I've, I, I fanboyed out too when I saw it. I mean, granted, I was at home alone watching it, but 
it was a, it was a huge deal to see and i think all this stuff with multiverses different dimensions and stuff like that it it, it sort of makes it feel like anything's possible now like nothing's yeah. off the table um so i mean i don't know i kind of it'll be interesting to see where spider-man goes from here and whatnot but i i love seeing andrew and toby back toby in particular because that's like my spider-man I, you know people say that but that's the one i grew up with so so i have a hot take all right give me the hot take it's kind of controversial but i'll say it anyway <laughs> obviously toby was my first spider-man but even yeah. as a kid i think i'm i think i was at least at least 12 years old when the first one came out Mm-hmm. Or turning twelve, even as a kid, I remember thinking, "This guy is cool. It's cool to see Spider-Man, but he doesn't fully fit the part to me." That was mm-hmm. always my thought, even as a child. And then um, you watch the next few movies, and again, he was our he was our first Spider-Man, and arguably because of what you just said, because of the multiverse, there are still touches mm-hmm. from that original Toby era that kind of still has touches into the MCU, kind of, because Kevin mm-hmm. Feige was producing back then too. But when Andrew came into the scene, I absolutely freaking loved it. And I know everybody hates those movies. Um, I actually, after I saw them, <clears throat> I went and rewatched all the, the first three and the first two and uh, Tom's first two again. Yep. And because my personal opinion is that Andrew Garfield stole the show in No Way Home. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he brought some really unexpected nuance to the performance right. for sure. Because like okay so here I I don't know if you know this story because again I told you I'm in a lot of nerd communities so and the, <laughs> the reason Andrew Garfield never got a third film he was supposed to get a third film and it was supposed to premiere around the time Captain America Civil War was coming out mm-hmm. that that audience feedback that the general sentiment that everybody said was that Andrew's Peter Parker was too arrogant he wouldn't have been that confident personally I disagree I think that the this there were certain things in the movie that didn't work but I don't think he was the thing that didn't work. Yeah, felt he was a, he was a longtime Spider-Man fan, and he kept trying to get the studio to understand, like, hey, listen, I, I'm hearing from the audiences, and like they want us to do things a little different, and they weren't they weren't really like taking his feedback. And so, what Andrew did was there was a press conference where they were announcing the Amazing Spider-Man three, and he had flown in for it, and he chose not to go downstairs to the press conference, and. Like, I'm talking like an announcing Amazing Spider-Man 3, Andrew Garfield, and he doesn't show up. Oh, my God. Yeah, so <laughs> I was mad at him for a very long time. But I would say mm-hmm. that, like, No Way Home gave him an opportunity to redeem his, his like, what was kind of lost with his franchise. And equally so, after rewatching Toby's 3, it, I doubled down on the fact that while there's room for Campy, there's just parts of his performance that felt a little disconnected to me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the scenes, particularly with Aunt May. He seems just like completely devoid of of emotion. But seeing him in No Way Home made me have a greater appreciation for what he did in his three movies. Um, I feel like it connected the three of them in a u- unique way that it wasn't about this Spider-Man is better than that Spider-Man. It was like uh, Andrew's dialogue in most of the movies also at lib. So he was like the three Spider Brothers. Mm-hmm. That was him like because he loved he looked up to Toby as his Spider-Man. Yeah. Tom was doing as the current Spider-Man and so for him like the I don't know if he said in an interview the uh scene where he stops Toby and Andrew Spider-Man in the movie he goes I love you guys and they yeah. were like okay that wasn't that was Andrew Garfield yeah. 100% so yeah um, it made me appreciate all three of them <laughs> as as individuals and I legitimately want to see them do some kind of multiversal bring back at, like you don't maybe you don't have Toby and Andrew in all all the films obviously but 
when there's a need for a team up, pull them back in. That multiverse opens any kind of opportunity, yeah. something like that. No, I I think uh, you know talking about the Amazing Spider-Man one and two, I, I like the first one okay. The second one I did feel was a big mess, but not on the part of Andrew Garfield. Like I think he was bringing his all to the movie, but Mark Webb, uh, he didn't really have a lot of experience with like helming big movies like that. I heard there was a bunch of rewrites and they were trying to like shove in stuff for the Sinister Six and you know all of this, yes. you know all all this stuff that I think ultimately. They they got a little too ahead of like their planning. Like I think they were trying to think like four movies ahead instead of focusing yeah. on the immediate project that they had. And you know I think all that stuff just kind of resulted in it fizzling out. But yeah. I'm glad he got to come back. Uh, I thought he did a really nice job. And you know you talked about that I love you part, great part. The part of course when he you know catches uh, MJ and yes. like, just like you know he's it's like that's one of those keywords like less is more scenes because he's not yeah. saying much but you see it. You see yes. the performance that, like, he's really feeling, like, that he, you know, what he lost out with Gwen Stacy and all yes. that. I feel um, like it's like a scene for him as a character and then him as an mm-hmm. actor, like, I redeemed what I felt like I left to, to yeah. die, in a sense. Well, and I also liked in the movie that rather than them just being treated as, like, you know, extended cameos, because I was kind of afraid that when they would show up in the movie, if they did, that they would just be like, oh, like, there's Andrew and there's Peter, and it's cool to have them there, but they don't really do anything other than just be there. But they were in it for longer than I thought, and like you said, they had a smart way of connecting their characters to each other, where Toby's, like, the big brother, Andrew's somebody that's more seasoned with loss, and it's fitting for him uh, helping out Tom Holland's character, uh, you know, who just lost Aunt May. So it really, it really coalesced really well together. I was, I was surprised. Yeah, I I saw a lot of like feedback is that oh, it's fan service. I yeah, sure it is to a degree, but I think that the best thing is what you just said. It it wasn't that they were just there; they served the purpose of the story. Mm-hmm. Andrew, uh, Toby was definitely the older brother who, like, they even make the joke that, what are you going to be, the cool youth pastor? Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Andrew was that middle brother who <clears throat> has experienced a loss and grief, but still has some growing to do himself, because that's why, that's why you feel the impact of him saving MJ so strongly, because <clears throat> he knows what happens, he knows what it means to not pull his punches, but he, he's not fully over it. And then, and then Tom Spider-Man has just experienced his first major grief because we've never seen the uncle ben arc it's it's been talked about but other than he had he had he lost tony stark who Mm -hmm. arguably could be considered his uncle ben and then he kind of still was forced to like get over it like if you think away far from home leaves off he's dealing with the fallout of that and then no way home picks up immediately where far from home picked up so in essence time mcu timeline wise the two movies technically are basically a couple weeks apart yeah yeah <clears throat> and so i think that that i think what makes it so pivotal is the fact that the two of them have something to offer him that he could not have gone through as a younger spider-man like you said andrew was there to help him with the loss of aunt may and then toby stops him from crossing a line that he can't come back with the green goblin at the end so it was i just think it's very well done i i'm, I'm be honest with you 45 minutes into the movie i was like this is probably my new favorite Marvel movie of all time, and I'm buying it the second they allow it to be ordered. Oh, I, I got it right here. Oh, so well, sorry, four K right here, man. Okay, how <laughs> disappointed were you when you found out they didn't give us the deleted scenes that they advertised? I was so pissed. 
Uh, yeah, I wasn't happy about that because I'm I'm somebody that is still a, a very big advocate for physical media uh, yeah. over the streaming. And so, yeah, bonus features are my jam. I love them. Yes. So, right. yeah, if you're going to give me some promises of behind the scenes stuff and then you don't deliver, I'm, I'm not that pleased. So, yeah. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I know it's re-releasing in September now. Probably going to see it again. Probably. I don't know that. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're releasing a extended cut. I think it's like 15 to 20 minutes more footage in the movie oh, um, cool. i'm going to go see it again and more than likely gonna buy it again to get that to, to <laughs> like you said if it's like if i love it it's going in my collection i don't care if it's so streaming because here's the thing when the internet's down you still need to watch it if it's your favorite movie yes sir and so i'm gonna get it mm-hmm. and i'm probably just gonna give the one i have way to one of my nephews uh because it is legitimately my all-time favorite marvel movie right now I think awesome. Thor Love and Thunder might knock that off the charts, but I do want to see that. Um, I know they just did the press or the what do you call it? The premiere. Oh God, the, pr- the premiere. Yeah, they yeah. did the premiere and whatnot. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. Um, I, I wanted to touch real quick on just the three Spider-Man and kind of what each of them brought to it, because uh, you said how Toby never really quite captured exactly how you kind of you know felt Spider-Man was and whatnot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think. And my my thoughts on that is that I think each of them brought certain aspects that the other actor maybe previously didn't get quite right. I don't. I, I it's it's hard for me to say if like one is truly like the definitive Spider Man because I do yeah. think they they each brought something to it. Um, if I'm just bullet pointing it, Toby to me brought the vulnerable, shy kind of dorky Peter Parker with the romantic aspect. I thought he did that well. But then when Andrew Garfield came in, I thought he did more of like the, you know, the smart aleck, kind of sarcastic scientist Peter Parker. Yeah. The quick, yeah, the quippy Peter Parker. And then Tom Holland, when he came in, he brought the sort of clumsy, doesn't do it perfect all the time, but has high it's energy of a teenager. Yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to say if there was a definitive one, but I like that each of them have brought something to it and, you know, have found different ways to interpret the part. I would say that what No Way Home did for the three Spider-Man is what you said is 100% accurate. That's probably the best way I've ever heard it explained. I would say what No Way Home did for them, it stopped the comparison of this Spider-Man is better than that Spider-Man. And I now see it. I didn't think of this honestly until you said it. It's the different stages of Peter Parker's life. Yeah. I, I would say that that's the better way to describe it. So obviously, as you grow older and mature in certain things, you're going to handle situations better. I would say Tom's version is that rudimentary beginning. And then Andrew is, okay, I've got some a season. I'm probably, I'm feeling myself. I'm Spider-Man. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and Toby's was the shy, vulnerable, awkward side of Peter Parker, but the ultimate hero at the end of the day, if you think about yeah. how he's carried. And then, <laughs> so for them to come into no way home being that it became tom's origin at that point because that's actually arguably the origin story for tom holland more than Mm -hmm. the other two are um he needed his older spider brothers to help him like go that way and i i I get that people like oh it needs to be spider-man spider-man needs to be his own thing and i get that i I think that that's where they're gonna go next but um i would say that because of how how well the chemistry were between the three of them it totally makes sense that in this next trilogy that they're probably going to do for Tom that you might have Andrew pop in or you might have Toby pop in or you might have both at one point mm-hmm. in his arc because now they gave him something he didn't know he needed before. And I think right. it also gives each other something that they're Spider-Man. Like, I, like, 
I left that movie feeling like, okay, I need to see what's going on in Toby's in Toby's uh, universe. I need to go with, like what's going on in <laughs> um, Andrew's universe. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people were disappointed because there were speculations that one of them could be the end Sony universe Spider Man, and then. Honestly, Sony's kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping for the best at this point is what it feels like to me. So yeah. it would have been cool if, given what Andrew said in his dialogue for uh, No Way Home, if we would have got to see him pull his punches in the Venom universe. That's would have made That would have made sense. That would actually make their Sinister Six movies make more sense because then it's like, okay, he's a hero. But he's kind of not doing hero stuff, and he gets to pray. Like it would make so much sense if they did that. Mm-hmm. This kind of makes me wish I was still in the film industry because it would be fun. Some of these ideas, whatever. Hey, so uh, I got got a question for you. So okay. let's uh, let's say you know hypothetically, I, I love doing hypotheticals on the show. Okay. There's two other Jonathans out there in the world. You know, okay. you, you got two other versions of yourself. What what are they like? Um, there's definitely one that's more confident. Okay. Um, as sure of himself. <clears throat> um, and there's probably a version that I would say that I feel like I'm the Andrew of the Andrew of the Jonathans right now. You've been right. through some stuff. You got some learning to do, but you got some learning under your belt. I would say there's one that's probably, probably a lot further ahead in life because a part about me is that I tend to like, I might have the ability to know I have the ability to do something within myself but I'll second guess it. And I, I feel like mm. I've missed out on some experiences in life from doing that. Um, and so I feel like there has to be a version of me that just gets it. In fact, I've actually thought of that often. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that exercise, write a letter to your younger <laughs> self. And it's like, I always, I've had dreams of like my future self's like, hey, you got this, you can do this. Just do yeah. this. So I feel like there's a version of that. And then I feel like there's a more carefree version. Might mm. get himself in a little bit more trouble. Okay. Um, and the sense of like, all right, I'm just going to try this and it fails. Okay, whatever. It's cool. Like more like <laughs> off the cuff and like willing to try. I guess that's kind of somewhat the same thing, but one's a little bit rooted more and grounded and the other's more like I'm figuring this out and it's okay if I don't get it right. Because me, this, this, me and, and Earth 616, <laughs> if we want to call it that. Yeah. I let the possibility of those two stop me from making so, some some decisions sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so... Now, I don't think you're going to be able to open a portal and talk to your other selves. I mean, I wish you could. I, I wish. Nice. <laughs> you don't have a sling ring winging around somewhere? I, I don't. I, I could check in the back somewhere, but <laughs> no, I don't think I do. Um, it, but it, it's interesting to think about, like, the... I think that's the, that's the great thing about the multiverse conversation in general, yeah. is that it, it makes you expand your mind in a lot of different ways. You think yeah. about different possibilities. Um I know for myself, I don't know if I got other Jordans running around, but I can certainly say that, like, I always think in another, I, I like to use the analogy in another life because I, my, my wife, uh, she tells me that I, I need 20 lives to do everything I want to do. Cause I usually try to do too much. Right. Um, and so sometimes I think there's, there'd be another version of myself that would have maybe pursued the filmmaking side like more like professionally like not just yeah. tried to do it as a passion project tried to really go all the way into it and not care there's the other one like you talking about the confidence thing 
I sometimes can have no filter <laughs> and that can sometimes be for better or worse, but sometimes it also gives me the sense that I'm forcing myself to walk on eggshells and I shouldn't. It's like, just, you know, just believe what, what you're saying. Like it, it's, it's fine. You don't need to be so cautious all the time. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the point is with all that is that since we can't open these portals to, to try to talk to our, our different selves, that's like, what, what the heck do we do to try to, you know, get to our best self? <laughs> We watch the multiverse and figure out which version is much like the version we want to be and try to emulate that. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Yeah, just emulate it. Um, okay, so I got to talk about the villains of this movie. Okay. Because there's a lot of them. Um, but mine's going to be a two-part question for this is that, one, I mean, did you have a favorite villain? That's that's the first question in it. But then the second one is more broad in asking you know, did you find it interesting that despite how many villains and, and story arcs that were going through, did the movie ever, did you ever get afraid that it was going to feel like overly stuffed, you know, like a, like a Spider-Man three vibe where you're like, Oh God, there's too much going okay. on here. I see what you're saying. Um, so I'll answer the first question. Uh, that's a really hard answer because I would say arguably my two favorite villains in, in no way home would have to be, Green Goblin and Doc Ock, mm -hmm. because I feel like it was first. First of all, Willem Dafoe's performance is just slow. For yeah, me. like the scene when he finally flips the script and reveals himself. That was like, oh my god, that yes, you're amazing. But I feel like the reason why Doc mm -hmm. Ock is also a close, if second, if not equal to, is because it actually wraps up his arc in the sense of like. Doc Ock in the story was never actually bad. He was manipulated by the tentacles, and that's what I love about him. Yeah, yeah. I'd say of all the villains, I mean, going through all the Spider-Man movies, his stood out to me because of like the relatable factor. Because, like you yeah. said, it's like he wasn't a wasn't a horrible person. He had a loving wife. He was trying to make clean, renewable energy for the world. He was <laughs> not really a bad person. He had a bad malfunction that caused him to essentially go insane. Um, and yeah, I like that they were able to, they, they, to me, it's like they, they took that hypothetical, like after people saw Spider-Man two, they're just like, man, it's a shame that Doc got, you know, drowning at the end when his reactor goes down on himself. But you always yeah. kind of thought in the back of your head, like, man, what if he just got fixed? Like, what right. if, you yes. know, and the, and the movie answered that question. Yes. It was, it was, it was amazing to see. Absolutely. And, and yeah, dude, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Like, like you said, the slow clap. <laughs> He's so good, and he's so physical with the role too. He, you could tell he's doing a lot of it. Well, like I, the thing is, is like you know, when you go to film school, they teach you how to break down film, so it's it's very easy. I've turned this out of my brain off because I don't want that. I want to feel like I'm taking it as a consumer, not like an intended filmmaker uh, that mm -hmm. I should have been, I guess. Um, but there is a moment where once he not only does he reveal himself as as the villain of the story, but there's a moment that. Like, I'm like, wait, Green Goblin can do that? Like, I I got deeper into the lore of what I was watching. Like, wait, oh my. Because there's one part, arguably, I understand that you're, you're not supposed to be thinking one of the actors in his late 60s. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, since when did, because when can Green Goblin take a punch like that or throw yeah. a punch like that? Like, I'm like, what is going on? So, yeah, he, he kind of killed it. Yeah. I, and I, I enjoyed, too, that they also touched on the side of his friendship with Peter Parker and that like, yeah. if he wasn't an insane person from the experiment, they probably would have had like almost like a pseudo father son relationship because right. he's assigned to geek just like Peter Parker is. Right. 
So I like that they had glimpses of that. But then, of course, like, you're just like, when are you going to go crazy? Like, right. come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I will say this. Um, I think that I do think that Sandman stayed true because, again, his story was I'm not a bad guy. I'm just trying to get home with my daughter. Yeah. I would even say that Electro kind of had a similar arc to what went wrong with Doc Ock. I think that Lizard was kind of wasted. To be quite honest with he you, he didn't really do much. Like he had no motivation to do any of the stuff he did. He was just causing trouble to cause trouble. And his issue would be with Andrews Peter, and that's not what he did. He just made more problems for Tom. So I'm like, you could have took him out of the movie and been fine, honestly. Yeah, I don't think he would have missed much. I mean, no. even when he got in there, you know, they just sort of treated as a throwaway, uh, a throwaway line with Doc Strange being like, "Oh yeah, I found this lizard guy, by the way," and then right. he's he's just there, and you're like, "Oh, okay, like the lizard's here." <laughs> like, and when he's causing trouble and he's in the in the back of the van, I'm like, "Okay, but but why?" Because you you have like all of them had a motive. Mm -hmm. He's just there, and I'm like, "Why?" Um, and then to answer your question, I don't feel like the movie got lost within the grandiose of it um i do know that there but now here's what i will say again because not the average consumer would learn this i do know that there was a version of of the script that included a multiple version of um oh my god fishbowl what's his name mysterio oh uh, yeah yeah that had the powers that mysterio fakes with illusions and he was actually there was actually a promo image that released with him fighting Doctor Strange with his illusionist magic versus Doctor Strange's Eldritch magic. Um, mm -hmm. That would have been cool to see. And I think that honestly, a, a good chunk of the story, I thought, OK, Mysterio still has to be around. So I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. And um, and I know everyone probably said this, but I really, really, really wished that um, I wish Toby and Green Goblin had some kind of altercation which there was a promo image of that also so i hope in the re-release they show it mm -hmm. uh there's footage of that one actually just didn't make it into the final cut i just there's certain mm -hmm. that that's my only thing is like there are parts of the movie that i'm like oh you're touching on this go for it i don't feel like it was um it was too grandiose like even like you mm -hmm. i think the best thing that you can say about what you said even about andrew's second movie was the fact that they were trying too hard to build a sinister six yeah, that it became about building a sinister sticks in actual arc, and that's arguably one of my arguments with another uh, Marvel movie. So I, I think it stayed rooted in what it was about. No, I, I thought so too because I, I think if it was in the hands of a you know not as talented director as John Watts and the the team that they had. I mean, that's a big cast. It's a stacked cast, and you have yeah. a lot of story beats going on. It's like if you don't have experienced writers and and people in production that are are managing that carefully, it could have easily been a sloppy mess that made no sense and was just incoherent, you know, nonsense. But I thought they did right. a really great job with it. To pull Toby Maguire out of retirement for a character that he was, you know, he glad that he had he come yeah. to a solution. It had to have been an amazing script for him to be a part of it. So. Um, and then Andrew, too, because he got a lot of hate. And it mm -hmm. was, I think that it was an opportunity for him to redeem himself. So, you know, it was, I think it was just very well done. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Um, one one point I wanted to make on the villains, uh, just to touch on the story a little bit, is how 
you know, Tom Holland at one point, he gets to the realization where he's like, well, maybe I can fix these guys, which of course is a big central plot point of it, of like trying to correct the the things that they did. I was kind of curious when I saw that in the movie, because they sort of throw the moral question at the audience where, you know, you have Dr. Strange's standpoint of no, like their faith's just to die. Like they're, they can't be fixed. Like you, you shouldn't even meddle with this. And then, you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker's like, well, no, like it's, you know, Aunt May says, it's like, that's who you are. Like you are, that's, that's your, right. your, your core of a character. That's who you are as a person. I just, I don't know. I mean, what did you think about that side of it with like him trying to do that? Like, was it just, or was, or did you think he was being a little naive trying to fix somebody that might just be rooted bad in their core? I think that, I think it was just, I think that that spoke to what we've seen out of Tom's character that he always wants the best out of people. That's kind of what his MCU arc has been overall with his first introduction in civil war. He just, a kid, like he's just a kid trying to help people and mm-hmm. he's a kid from Queens and he cares about people. And I think it's just, I think that, that I think that that kind of gets where the villains get lost at one point. I feel like after so much of them building to him, fixing them, they get through doc. Ock, I feel like they get through a second one. And then I feel like where the villains get a little lost in translation is when they're like, when green goblin effectively convinces them, we're gods we can do this we don't need him and then they just switch back to their default and that's where it's like oh that's right i have this perspective they don't think that way so i think i think it plays very well actually Mm -hmm. it's irritating to me though because i'm like you have no reason to like switch back things are working like why (laughs) but but at the same time i think that it plays well into the characters like their comic book origin max dylan wanted to be powerful Mm -hmm. even it, I felt like he showed even what he wanted in, in, um, in his Andrew films and that he wanted to be great because he was always ignored and he had an opportunity now that he's tasted Stark Tech that's 10x his power ability. And I think that if he's a villain, he's a villain. Of course he's going to choose. Like, well, why do I have to give up this power? If I don't have to, I'm going to keep it. So mm-hmm. I think that they did a good job with it. I think that the only one who I feel like had no motivation and it was kind of like... I was like, you should just let him die. It was Dr. Connors. I know that's terrible, but I was just like, why? Just go. Why are you here? Yeah. I I also thought thought to the moment in the movie where they start going back to their universes, because that's another interesting question for me is I'm like, well, what happens now? You know, Doc Ock goes back. Like, like, does he just get plopped back in his lab? Like, where does he appear at? You know? Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I have no answer to that question. I don't know. No, I, I, okay, so the argument is that it, it, the the dialogue in the film is that I was pulled from the very moment that this happened. So even if <laughs> there's a joke, there's a meme that goes around, it's like, okay, so he healed them and then depowered a few of them. So, like, Doc Ock goes back to drowning and, and <laughs> right. goes back to being impaled by a glider. Like, what What did you say? But, but he thing? feels okay now. Now he's not insane, but he gets to die in peace, I guess. I helped you save, I helped save you. You're not mentally sane, but you're now going to die easier because you don't know how to be evil and stop it. Yeah, that I I don't know. There's there's no way to know that answer, but uh, ho- hopefully, you know, maybe Doctor Strange somehow positioned them that he could put them in a slightly different spot for the impalement. It's like he'll he'll pop in right as the glider goes past him. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Um, 
okay, so I got another question about just the the fixing of the of the villains and whatnot. Now, not on the villains, but uh, trying to, I would say, correct the past uh, because that's I'd say that's the theme of this movie in a way. Is, uh, taking these attributes of the of the villains and putting them back so that they could do different things with their lives, you know, in a way. My my question to you is like if you again we have that multiverse thing, we can go uh you know, go in the different universes or even time travel and whatnot. It's like would would you go and want to correct things from the past if you could? You know, it's like the as age old thing. Or as a hero. Both. Um okay, so I'm I'm weird in that like I don't, I don't like caring about villains. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Like, let them be a villain and let yeah. me not like them. Let me be okay with hating them. Um, but I also do love the the spin of the antihero or the person who had a villain arc and then redeem themselves. <sighs> That's a hard question to answer. I, I, I guess know. Ideally, you would say <laughs> that you would want to say yes. I would go back in time and correct certain things. As I'm just thinking, even from the hero perspective. But then what you go through shapes who you are as a person. So I always think like there's a yeah. few moments in my life that I've separate of like movies and hero stuff. Like if I could go back and fix this, would I do it? And I'm kind of thinking the answer would be no. I don't think I would change a thing. And here's why. Because some of the worst moments in my life led me to some of the best moments of my life and the best people in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that had I not gone through some of the things that I went through, I wouldn't be in the space that I am today. As it, like just me as my life. So no. And then equally so as a hero, I would say the temptation would be there, but then absolute power always corrupts. So if you do something that you know ultimately will make you a stronger hero, what stops you from keep doing that to make yourself like you become the villain of your own story at that point? So Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I, I think a lot of things shape us. Like you you can't, you know, you can't have your successes without your failures. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think your people are meant to fail sometimes. We're human beings. If everything was perfect all the time, we I, I don't think we would learn anything. You're right. Uh, we, we would just be a mess. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's meant to happen. The the bad things, you just, I think if you could go back and change anything, you just wish you could give yourself more wisdom to think about your perspective on it right. differently maybe at the time. Because when yes. these bad things happen to you at the time, your perspective is not where it is now. Right. So, I think I wouldn't change anything. If I could go back in time, because, you know, like the whole the concept of time travel is don't uh, interact with your, your younger self because you'll affect your future. I think that what I would do is just I wouldn't tell my younger self to, the answer to what they're looking for or what to avoid. I would just assert, ensure my younger self, knowing how I thought when I was younger. Hey, you have everything you need on the inside. Like, I'm telling you, it gets better. Because then that younger self may go through that same thing, but come out feeling differently. And it makes a better like. I feel like there's certain things in my life I could have gotten to a little sooner if I had like a clearer headspace about it. Mm-hmm. So I would just give advice to my younger self, like, "Hey, you got this." And I know me would be like, "Can you like, what has this work out? Like, what's the end story?" Because I always want to know, like, what am I walking into? You don't need to know that. You just need to know that it, you are not insufficient. You're not lacking anything. You have what it takes. If Green Goblin comes to you. Don't worry, you'll be okay. You might get scuffed <laughs> up. Things might get a little bad. I mean, if he throws a pumpkin bomb my way, I'm gonna get afraid. Like those right. things got a big, <laughs> big blast radius. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm fine. Older me said it's fine. I, I'm gonna make it out of this. He wasn't dead. He didn't have a scar on his face. I'm okay. No. Um, okay. So I, I, I'm curious 
I feel like we've we've covered a lot of things in in Spider Man and whatnot. But what I don't know, and obviously the the world as a whole doesn't know yet, is where does Spider Man go from here? I mean, because I, I I think you said at one point earlier that it's like there's another trilogy coming, maybe because yeah. I don't even know if Tom Holland's doing it anymore. You no, know, he is. Tom Holland's just the king of spoilers, so Mar- uh, Marvel tries to. <laughs> from- I thought that was Mark Ruffalo, wasn't it? Like it was. He, he, he spoils a hell of a lot. <laughs> oh my god, he spoiled all of Endgame. Yeah, and then live stream Thor Ragnarok by accident, and then um, he live streamed the movie he by did. accident because he he's in it. And he at the premiere he went live on Instagram, and he had at least ten minutes of footage up on his Insta stories. And finally, someone came and was like, "Mark, you were showing the whole movie to the world." It, it was it was bad. Um, I would say what's next for for Tom Holland Spider Man? We have to remember that. Um, he there was a, a symbiote that was left in the MCU. At the was end. that the end credit scene with yes. Tom Hardy? Okay, and yeah, yes. they had a, the little coffee table there or whatever. So the the way I think they did a really good job with that because Tom Hardy's Venom needs a Spider Man, and I think that it. I know there's a third Venom, and they've even teased that this may be mm-hmm. his last one. But I think that what needs to happen at this point is he needs a Spider Man mm-hmm. for his character arc to go. I think. Tom Holland Spider-Man is now prime for his Toby Spider-Man 3 moment where he experienced a symbiote because now he suffered loss, he suffered grief, he has no one, he has no one because MJ and Ned don't remember him. Yeah. And so <laughs> because we know symbiotes amplify whatever's going on the inside, they haven't told that side of story. They haven't this is his opportunity for him to be that solo hero because none of the Avengers or anybody remember him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what he's going to have to do is this is now his Andrew essence now. Like I'm by myself. I have no one. I might meet new people along the way, but what I knew and familiar I'm familiar with is gone. I think that they're probably going to um you can introduce Black Cat at this point because Felicia Hardy is a love interest of his. You could even introduce Gwen Stacy because he doesn't remember M- or he doesn't have a future in MJ. And then at some point Peter ends up going back to MJ. So mm-hmm. there's quite a bit of his story. Like, I think that the <clears throat> if you think about when the multiverse is cracking and Doctor Strange was telling him we got to do something now, and you see the little silhouettes of the different... Yeah, movies, yeah. I think that it's now time for him to focus on the less... the disenfranchised versions of different villains like Rhino, Scorpion... Craven that we haven't seen yet, even though I know Sony's making a Craven film. Mm-hmm. I think that he now has to get some Spider-Manning under his belt without a team to back him. Because ultimately he had the Avengers. And now he has no one. And he could spend his days trying to convince everybody that he's the Peter Parker that they knew and loved that in, in that picture. But he's got to learn how to go it on his own. I think that that's the decision he makes at the end. He tried, he went into that coffee shop to tell MJ who he was and remind mm-hmm. her. And a part of her clearly fragmentedly remembers him because she's still wearing the broken Black Dahlia necklace. But I think he realizes there, I have to go this on my own for a bit because <clears throat> everything that was important to me was used to break me down. And so I think that that's next for him. And I think, obviously, directly, it's the symbiote arc. And I think that that, because of where, and this might be getting ahead of it, but I'll just say it, because of where the MCU was going with ground level space level and um multiversal level threats mm-hmm. where thor love and thunder is with gore the god butcher and his weapon being the all black which is tied to symbiotes i think that they're setting up for 
him to have a run by himself, but him to re- reconnect to the Avengers in some way, shape, or form. That line where Venom says that we have a hive mind that connects across the multiverse, and that's how Topher Grace's Venom from to- Toby's movies knew Tom Hardy's um, Venom story and how he knew who Tom Holland Peter Parker was, even though that was a separate universe. Mm-hmm. I think that they have an opportunity to interconnect that and use it to be its own thing. And when the time is right, reconnected to the global MCU. Damn, you, you just like you, you blew my mind with that. I was just like, you have definitely given us some thought. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I was I rambling? Yeah, no, no, I no, I, I was connecting it. It made sense to me. Um, I and I think you you answered my question, and then you actually opened the door to another one. And and I think I'll I'll leave off with this, and then we'll start to wind things down here. I love that there is all this possibility with the multiverse, and that you know the MCU has been able to continue churning along this long. They, I, I, is it in phase four right now? Is that right? Being soon, but we're in phase four. Yeah. Right. So what I, what I sometimes wonder though, with this stuff, and I don't, I don't mean this negatively, but I do wonder it. It's like with all the possibility of the multiverse and you, you're able to expand on these characters and, and put them in different scenarios. They ordinarily wouldn't be in. My question I ask is sometimes does it, does a character's story ever like truly end, I guess, because as much as I like the expandedness of everything, I'm not really interested in seeing somebody just continue to play the character over and over and over again, just because now we have this basically magical portal open and anything can happen. It's like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, so I, I like trilogies and I like things that have a beginning, a middle and an end. So sometimes I do like to see some things just actually end. Okay, so I'm does, does that make sense? Like where I'm no, coming from? No, that makes perfect this? sense. That does make Got perfect it. sense. You're touching on an argument that I I actually have a big issue with. If a person wants to end their story, that's fine. Right. Um, with the multiverse being open, you can have a, a different variant that comes in and picks up the mantle, and it doesn't take away from what was there. My issue with calling it end is calling it too soon. I would mm-hmm. argue that. Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man and Chris Evans' Captain America ended too soon because now that the year after Endgame happened, Marvel Studios got the rights back to most of the characters. And now where oh, okay. the multiversal arc is, it's not that you need an Iron Man. I feel like you need the Iron Man that we've known and loved. It's not that you need a Captain America. You need Steve Rogers, Chris Evans, Captain America. For, like, not forever, but mm-hmm. just because arguably one of the next Avengers films has to be Secret Wars, um, given the language that was used repeatedly in Multiverse of Madness with the term incursion, you have the Multiverse War from the Loki Disney Plus series. It there are certain parts of the story that you can't not you can't not have this this titular character in it. Like Civil okay. War was a larger scale film than what they did, and I would argue that it's probably one of the best, and that even with a smaller cast, they still told it. This like just really quickly, like the scene where. Yeah. Um, Natasha purposely holds Black Panther also with Cape in the Quinjet. In the comic books, that's supposed to be uh, Sue Storm from Fantastic Four. They made uh, it work. You don't feel like anything's cheapened. I just think that, to answer your question, if you're going to come to an end for a character, don't do it when that character is pivotal to the, the part of the story. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I think that, <clears throat> to like to your point, like, don't do we need Toby and Andrew in every Spider-Man film going forward? Absolutely not. Right. Would it be cool that if there's a moment where the story calls for him needing that 
wisdom, guidance, or support that only a Peter Parker can bring to him, you bring them back 100%. And mm-hmm. so I think that because of specifically where those stories are with them getting all the character rights back, I think it's just a bit too soon to put a final nail in the coffin for certain characters. Um, personally, I know this is a controversial subject. I don't know how they're planning on doing this because it's been kept under wraps. I think it would have been a better honor to chat with Bozeman's legacy as Black Panther to actually mm. the role. Because Yeah, yeah, because the second movie's coming. Yeah, and I think that because of where the stories are, without spoiling another movie, there's a movie that came out recently he should have been in. The character should have been, I should say. Like Black and, Panther? Mm-hmm. Or, okay, okay. Like his his character is a pivotal <clears throat> part that he should have been in. I won't say what that is because we're not talking about that movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think that they're like that's an end that you didn't project. And I know that the initial thought was like we want to honor the legacy. I think there's a way of honoring the legacy by still continuing the character. I think that could could Tom possibly end after this next trilogy? Mm-hmm. Sure. Given the stories that they're writing, probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And and if and I'll say this way because. Chris Hemsworth has said he wants to continue to play Thor for as long as Marvel Studios and the fan base will have him. I think that after Thor 4, maybe the next time you see Chris Hemsworth Thor is when he's needed for an ensemble movie, not necessarily a solo film. Sure. As much as I love him, I love him. Like, literally, I'd watch a fifth Thor film, but and I haven't seen the fourth yet. But I think that, that that is the solution to your question. Don't kill him. Don't end them. Take him out of play. Send them off world. Let mm-hmm. them do something. Like, honestly, I know people have issues with it. <clears throat> Marvel, arguably, she's been off world for a while. And uh, now she's yeah. coming back in when she's needed. So <clears throat> do that and let it let it go there. And because you know, Chris Evans made a joke. He tweeted when uh, when Sony, Marvel and Disney got the rights back to the Fantastic Four. He's like, can I just have one scene where I'm Steve Rogers, Captain America, and Johnny Storm, uh, Human Torch, and we have to interact? That would be really cool. Even that would be a moment where you just need a yeah. cameo. It doesn't have to be a story arc thing. Like let mm-hmm. the two versions of Chris Evans interact with themselves and just make it a moment. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> I think. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to collect my thought here. So the the characters, like you, you kind of touched on, it interesting. It's like you don't have to put the nail in the coffin, but you can reintroduce them at different points in possibly other character storylines, ensemble movies, etc. Um, I do think that the the universe lends itself for that. And I think I, I, I say this a lot, Jonathan. I say balance is kind of key to a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think that in the case of like the MCU, like you said, it, it, you know, you talked about Chris Hemsworth with his Thor. If he was to be, let's say, over at you know this next thor movie and then only returns for like an ensemble or some kind of cameo you know in some other universe it might be fine as long as it's serviceable to the story like the story i think comes first and i do think there is a way to balance it where you can end a character's story that may have been worked on for like one or two or three movies if you know if it makes sense to but you don't like you said necessarily completely seal off the possibility that their character or the actor that playing them couldn't come through in some other iteration again if the story is going to be serviced by it if that makes sense yeah um trying to think man i don't got anything else to to cover on on spider-man right now but i love having you on 
Love yeah. having you on. Talking about Spider-Man. Hopefully you enjoy this. I don't. Have you been on a podcast before? I've been on one other podcast. This is actually really, really fun. I actually told all my friends and family, I was like, I get to be on a podcast talking about Marvel movies. This is awesome. <laughs> no, I, I'm glad. And obviously, you know your stuff. Um, and the passion comes through when I hear you talk about it. So I love seeing that. Um, and I'm also, and I'm so happy that you talked about physical media too. I got, I just got to throw a nugget in on that. Cause <laughs> I'm, I love streaming. Like, I mean, I love just that there's so many new avenues for entertainment to come across, but you, it's really hard to be good physical media. Um, and I'm a collector too. So I, I, I love it. The problem is with streaming is even if you have it, they can ultimately decide to take it away. So then you don't have it anymore. Yep. That, or they can also modify the content. So you're not even getting the original. Right, they, which is they, they, yeah, it, it most definitely has happened, and they also downscale it too. the The audio visual quality is not not nearly as good. You know, you need internet. Blah 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 blah. Um, okay, well, actually, I, I lied to you. One final question. Okay. <laughs> One final it's fine. question. It's totally fine. Um, you've. It sounds like you've seen like that Wandavision show, right? And yes. like, have you seen Loki too? Yes. See. I haven't seen any of it. I haven't seen the Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. I haven't seen Loki. I haven't seen the multi. Like, I, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I know your face is like, I'm, like you're going to die. But, <laughs> just like, I, I like a lot of the Marvel movies. But, dude, I'll admit, the streaming services, there's there's like an influx of content. Like, there's there's so yeah. much. I, and I, I'm, like, buried by it. I, I don't got time. No, I, I 100% will. I agree with you. There, like, there's probably five shows I should should be watching right now. Right. That it's like, which one do I have the capacity to take in? I just finished uh, section A of Stranger Things season four. Yeah, that's next on and, the list. And I'm ready for the next part. So I would say this, um, and I'm people might disagree with it. Loki and WandaVision, absolute must, especially for where Phase Four is going. If you watch nothing else, in my opinion. Those two were like you gotta want you gotta have those two. Do I need to see the Wandavision before I see the Doctor Strange sequel? Absolutely, yeah. I I kind of assumed that from the trailers because it looked like there was something going on with like a tie back to that. So I'm like, yes. I feel like I'm gonna be lost if I don't if I don't you see will. that. You absolutely will. Arguably, and if you ever want to have me back on talk to talk about Multiverse of Madness. Oh yeah, you're welcome to come back. Please have me because I'd love to talk about that. Arguably, I would say that some of some elements of the two projects are similar. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen finished filming WandaVision and immediately flew to shoot Multiverse of Madness. Mm, uh, okay. So it's kind of a story that literally is like a baton passing. Um, I will tell you this. WandaVision, the first four episodes, take you into the world of what it is. And you're going to be like, wait, what's going on? But by that fourth episode, you're like, Okay, I'm invested. You're going to be like, okay, you got. It. I've watched it at least six times at this point. Six? Wait, six times? Yes, I I love it. And the same <laughs> wow. with Loki. Loki is like, I feel like Loki's kind of been more of an anti. Loki's probably one of the only villains that I actually like genuinely love. Mm -hmm. And Loki, I feel like the TV show, in addition to what it does for the story, because it ties in the whole multiversal variant conversation. So part of even what part of even what happened in No Way Home tied to what was going on in Loki, honestly. Um, but it also showed Loki as more powerful than we've ever seen him in the MCU. And that was probably one of my favorite things about it. Mm, but I agree with you. The streaming services do throw a lot at you. 
and you kind of have to pick and choose your journey. If you want yeah. to tie something, Loki and WandaVision. Falcon <clears throat> and the Winter Soldier, honestly, God, in my opinion, you only need to watch the first and last episode. The rest is blah. And then Hawkeye. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I forgot about that one. Yep. Same thing. <clears throat> I, setting up something, but it's kind of like, mm, okay, you're there. What, well, what advice would you give to people that feel like me buried beneath, you know, a, a plethora of content out there? Like, like where do you where do you start? I mean, like, do you, you do you sit it like like when you're like you're on the toilet, like you're watching like 10 minute increments here and there? Like, wh- where do you start to get in all this content? I think that you put it on. Now, this is this is a ridiculous thing because when do you ever have time to do this? But you put it on when you're like, okay, I have free time and I know I I, I want to do something. Put it on when you're not like in the middle of something else. Okay. And I would say start what's important because I arguably at, at the very least, Loki and Wandavision mm-hmm. are the starting arc of Phase Four. So while you've seen No Way Home. Have you seen Eternals? Not that you necessarily needed to, because that was kind of no, down. no. That's another one. Yeah, I have, I, I'm, I'm behind. Eternals is freaking slow and boring. Oh yikes! Whatever. Um, arguably, that the last forty-five minutes of that movie, maybe in the last thirty, is where the actual impetus of the story is. But, but with Loki and Wandavision, I would say start when you have time to like focus. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like be running a bunch of streamers at once. Let yourself finish a show. That you're already in. Don't pick it up while you're doing something. You're like, okay, I'm yeah. done. I need something else to watch. Start there. Because if you do it while you're watching so many things, like, I mean, I know it's targeted to a younger mm-hmm. audience, but there's a Miss Marvel Disney Plus show that's streaming. It's on episode four. I haven't even seen one yet. And yeah. I, the, 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 specifically in the Marvel world, I would say that the, because they're using Disney Plus to bridge the gap of stories that they can't tell in a full film, that's why you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of need to see, you kind of have to see WandaVision before you see Multiverse of Madness. The both that of it is like that one, I would say like, cause if not, you're not going to understand the biggest part of Multiverse of Madness. And it, it could end up being an enjoyable experience for you specifically, Jordan, because of mm-hmm. the fact that you get to see it as what it is, but the context of the overarching story is what you miss out on. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think, you know. There, there's no way not to cherry pick around what you got to watch. I mean, the right. same goes, same goes with movies too. I mean, you know, there's Netflix original Hulu, Amazon, Paramount plus right. like the, the, the list goes on and on. So you kind of have to, to cherry pick. But I think, like you said, if you like the universe, you like the characters, you'll, you'll make time for it. Yeah. I know one thing I can't do is I'm not like the type that I could put on like Loki, like while I'm folding laundry and like doing dishes, because when I watch something, I'm locked in. Like, yeah, I, I want to be completely immersed. I want to really give it my attention. And I think I'm like that because I'm a big cinephile at heart. Like, I love movies. I love art. I love entertainment. And I know how many people work their ass off to make this content happen. And to me, it's like a disservice. It's like being on my cell phone yeah. when I'm watching something. I'm like, no, these people busted their hump. The least I can do is sit here and give them my time. Correct. I think that that that's exactly what my perspective is. And if I'm not fully giving my attention to it, at some point I'm going to commit to not purposely not giving it because I'm like, I have to go back and watch this in its entirety. Yep. I, I would say to lighten your load, if you if you are looking for shows that you could, you can 100 <laughs> percent do that with uh, Eternals. Just do the laundry, fold the dishes. You can really look <laughs> every five, 30 minutes and be like, oh, OK, that's going. Got it. That's what I was doing because it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not even tied to anything just yet. 
And then arguably you could do that with Falcon Winter Soldier and Hawkeye. Okay. If you like No Way Home, you need to watch Hawkeye though. We, I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to ruin it. Nah, uh, did you see uh, Shang Chi? I did. Am I, I saying Shang-Chi. that right? Yeah, yes. I heard that was really good. I haven't seen that. It's okay. Super, super good. It's not super tied to anything yet, but it was it was very much up there. Good, sweet. Okay, um, you got any any plugs? I don't know if you want me to plug you. You got an Instagram or something? You want me to? You know, I'll give you a shout out on whatever you want. No, or, or, or if you got nothing, you're just like, nah. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not really. My my social media channels are all just my personal life, which I don't care. But it's not. I'm it's not anything fancy that anybody who heard this conversation would want to follow, probably. So, no, that's that's all good. I I like to give everybody the opportunity. I know people, you know, like me. I'm I I don't do that. This is not my day job. Uh, so this is my passion project. But if someone has a passion project, they're they're working on something. I want to make sure that they get some. They get a platform for it. So. This inspires me to make me want to do it. Like I've always said, it'd be fun to talk, like to do what we did and have this conversation. Because you can have a hyper focus. You're just like film in general. You can have a hyper focus on just like we probably, if we wanted to, get sat here for three hours talking about the Marvel stuff. Like, oh yeah. So it makes me want to do it, but I, I'm no. <laughs> just as much as we don't have time to watch all the streamers, I don't think I have time to start a podcast right now. Yeah, I mean, I. I... Yeah, I can tell you. So when I started Screen Speak back in in August of last year, my my goal was to do two episodes a week. Like I I had I had a big bar set. Like I was going hard at it, and I would do solo episodes and guests. And then eventually, I just found that once my um, now wife immigrated here from Brazil, it was you know right. you only have so much time in the day. And I sort of found out I was stretching myself thin. So now I do it when I can. I mean, I still like I still very much care. I'm aggressively looking to get more guests on and, and, you know, increase the the following and everything like that. And, you know, just get get screen speak to plug in with an audience. I I definitely am wanting all those things. But you got to be realistic with time, too. I mean, like, you you know, I'm a human being. I got other stuff going on, too. (laughs) So the, the reason I say all that is like not to discourage like someone like yourself if they wanted to start a podcast or anyone else that wants to start something. But what I would say is just, I mean, don't wait to start on something. If you really want to do it, start. But also don't set a bar so high for yourself that you're like, I need to, you know, be right. like this like 500 million view podcast like you're not there yet like it's right. okay it's it's not a race yeah. it's just about the consistency of doing it so as long as i continue yeah. to find the time here and there to do it and people find the content um entertaining and they walk away with something i'm happy well let me know when this is up i'm sharing it with everybody because this is a great conversation hopefully i didn't talk too much <laughs> no no i mean dude that's the idea with the podcast long form conversation yeah. And I, I will I will say this and, and I'll make sure I don't go on a soapbox on this because this is a subject I'm very passionate about. One of the reasons I love podcasting is because it gives the opportunity to be able to say more than a few sentences without feeling like you're talking too much. That's true. That's Social right. media is horrible for that. Like I, I can't yeah. stand trying to converse or, or have meaningful dialogue on there. It's it's not a good platform for it. And then today. I'm going to sound like the old man yelling at the clouds with my, my broomstick or whatever, but people's attention spans, a lot of them, they, they just are so short these days. So I, I almost get like repressed where I'm like, I can't talk this much a lot of times in life. So I I need an outlet to be able to have a voice. So 
I don't know. That's just me. But no, you didn't talk too much. That's the long-winded answer for that. <laughs> oh, and to answer your question, this episode will be going up um, shortly after we're done recording. I got some like little editing and stuff to throw oh, wow. together, but I'll I'll have it up today. Okay, awesome. Well, I'll share it with everyone. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll plug. Um, I'll do an Instagram post like on the 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 podcast Instagram on there. So like you'll you'll get recognition from it um, no matter what. So just keep an eye out for it, and you'll see something. All right. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Thanks for making the time again, especially. I mean, it was great seeing you. I mean, even just virtually, but um, it was awesome. And I love knowing that you're this big of an MCU nerd because I'm going to have you back to talk about this stuff. Please, dude, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, you take care of yourself. And if I don't see you for a while, just uh, yeah, keep on keep on doing what you're doing. And uh, I'm sorry, did you move into your house yet? Yeah, but I'm going on three years, actually. Oh, you okay? I wasn't sure. Like, you know, I know you said you bought it and everything, but I'm like, I don't know how settled into it you are. <laughs> yeah, I bought it and moved in the day I closed on it in December of 2019. Okay, all right. Well, you gotta show me a picture of it sometime or something. I'll, I got I'll the visual. Picture. In fact, uh, after a hurricane, I had my brother and sister living with me, and I have two very young kids that are probably tired of being quiet at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna say, bless them. No, seriously, there's there's been kids in the background this whole time. For at least the last 20, 30 minutes, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, I mean, well, okay, give them their attention because they're, they're rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. I'll talk with you later, but uh, God bless, and I'll see you around. God bless you too, man. We'll talk again soon. All right, see ya.